Hello, and welcome to episode 209 of Smarts, which as we all know stands for... Silly, moody, aqualad, regrettably takes shot. Ooh. Oh, that's why I couldn't use it last week. Ah. All right, it's continue. funny because he's dead. It's funny because he's dead. Yes. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. My name is Rudiger Q Podcaster, a.k.a. Trevor. Hi. And your name is... Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. Particularly ghoulish. <laughs> Gulia. Yes. October... <laughs> Halloween ghoulish. I don't That's know. right. All right. I spell it differently during the month of October. G H O U L I A. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for some news? Uh, yes. So we've got a little bit of uh, news about uh, new DC Universe stuff coming out of New York Comic Con. So they announced a new sort of variety mixed format show called Bizarro World. <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm there for the title. They're going to use this to try out a bunch of different um, characters in a bunch of different formats. So some will be animated, some will be live action. Mm-hmm. Some might even mix the two, and they're going to use this to spotlight lesser-known DC characters. So a few that they mentioned specifically: uh, Space Cabby, the Creeper, characters like that. Nice. Um, and so you might get like a, a twenty-five-minute Space Cabby cartoon, or a forty-five-minute, you know, Creeper TV movie, or something like that. And that would be under the umbrella of this Bizarro World show. Funny. So it doesn't have anything to do with Bizarro specifically, just. You know, as a way of saying it's like a wacky variety kind of thing. I see. The other thing they announced is this DCU Unscripted, which is mm-hmm. their open submission for people to um, pitch them um, sort of reality shows, be they, you know, f- cosplay or, you know, real life, you know, inspirational stories or DC themed food eating contests or <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Um you, you came know, up with three really dating. good shows. I don't know. These are just some of the examples they gave. They're, but they're like, you know, from inspiration to mm-hmm. whatever, from food to fun or whatever. Like they mm-hmm. had a whole thing. Um, so you can you can go to the website and you can submit your pitch. And, you know, they narrow it down to 10 or whatever. Those 10 people get to like pitch executives in person or whatever. And then the top three from those actually get to go to pilot. And then one of those pilots may or may not get picked to be, you know, to mm-hmm. actually go to series. There's also, it's couched in all sorts of, you know, iffy language, like, oh, may go to series or sure. may go, like, they right, reserve right. the right to, like, not take these any further, obviously. But that's mm-hmm. that's a fun thing that they're doing to sort of, they seem like they're really leaning hard on the community involvement stuff mm-hmm. uh, these days. So that's fun. That's awesome. Um, we've got a little bit of news, just a fun little bit of news about Batwoman, which we're actually about to watch the pilot right after we record this. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel Maddow is a name you probably didn't expect me to say. You know who yeah. Rachel Maddow is, yeah, right? Yeah, I do, yeah. So she's a big comic book fan, and she's a big Batwoman fan. Awesome. She wrote the introduction to the first collected edition of the original Greg Rucka Batwoman run. That's really cool. She's going to have a recurring role of sorts on the TV show. No, she's not. As a radio personality. Awesome. So we probably will never see her face. Sure. But there's a... There's a um, one of Bruce Wayne's uh, ex-girlfriends in the comics um, mm-hmm. is a woman named Vesper Fairchild. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going to be playing Vesper Fairchild as a radio host I'm on Batwoman. Right. So you'll hear her voice, you know, in the mm-hmm. background. And you'll be like, it'll be like, you know, Channel 52 on the other, on the Arrow shows. Right. Except, you know, you see those. But it'll be kind of like a retur- recurring thing in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that'll be, that's fun. That's awesome. Kind of like how Senator Patrick Leahy is in all the Batman movies. Because yeah. he's a big Batman fan. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of thing. So the last little bit of news is that we've got a bunch of Star Trek stuff coming out of New York Comic Con. So we saw, we got new trailers for Picard mm-hmm. and the first mm-hmm. new trailer for uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Yep. We got the first um, of the new round of short tracks, which we'll be talking about later with our mm-hmm. shows, and the announcement of the schedule for the release of the rest of this batch. So it'll be um, every 
second Tuesday of the month, starting this month. So we get another one in a couple of days Whoa. leading up to uh, up to and including January. And wow, then cool. that same month, Picard will start. So oh. we have one a month that bridge the gap until Picard starts. And then so then we also have the Picard premiere date, which is I forget the exact day, but it's sometime late. January, like the twenty first mm-hmm. or something like that. That's cool. That's so, so cool. Not, That's not so, so cool. not so far away. <laughs> and so the fact that we're getting a trailer for Discovery season three leads me to believe that Discovery season three will probably follow Picard immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've got something um, in the can for right after that. It seems maybe too soon to have uh, Lower Decks, the cartoon, ready to go because the lead time on animation is so large. But I mean, by the time Picard runs. 12, 13 episodes, and then Discovery runs 12, 13 episodes. It'll be almost a year from now, right? Because we're mm-hmm. talking like three or four months from now, and then mm-hmm. three months of Picard and three months of Discovery. So yeah, a year from now, I guess Lower Decks could be ready. And then by then, by the time that's over, maybe the uh, the Section 31 spinoff might be ready. So this might be, you know, January really might, cool. be the, might be the the line of demarcation for when they, what they said they wanted to get to, which is... You know, new Star Trek every week mm-hmm. until, uh, you know, as Troy McClure said, until the franchise becomes unprofitable. <laughs> um, but we should talk about the new trailers briefly. So the Picard trailer was great. Mm-hmm. Didn't really show us any more of the, I mean, we got little little bits, new, little bits of new footage of some of the new characters, but we didn't really learn anything more about any of them. Um, mm-hmm. We saw a little bit more data. We saw um, a little bit more of Picard's life on the vineyard. Mm-hmm. We saw, of course, the big reveal, like, like the seven reveal at the end. And we saw more seven. We saw Hugh for the first yeah. time here. Yeah. People are <clears throat> are really puzzling over the one shot of seven cradling what looks like a dead body and weeping. Yeah. People are like, oh, is that Chakotay? Is that Icheb? Mm-hmm. Is that Hugh? Is that like, who Who could that be, right? right, right. People are like looking at all oh, the dark hair and red on the uniform. Chakotay had red on the uniform because, of course, the the much maligned thing oh, that they ending, did in the last right. Voyager episode was all of a sudden Seven and Chakotay are in a yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe could, would Robert Beltran come back for like one death scene or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else he's doing, but, um, but I don't know if he'd be game for that or not. I don't know. I, I, I think it's more likely that she's just devoted. I mean, she says it in this trailer, like she's devoted herself to like helping those who there's no one else to help. Right. So maybe she's the trailer. These trailers certainly seem to indicate there's a lot of like, um, Cleanup work. Well, a lot of what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Discord. Liberated. A lot of liberated Borg. A lot more liberated oh, Borg these days. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, as I evidenced by the fact that, that Seven and Hugh are main characters on the show. Right. So if she sees herself as like a protector of them, and she loses someone particularly close, that's why people are saying, "Well, what if it's each or whatever?" Like the original right, right. surrogate son of liberated Borg that she took on, right? right? The only one of the kids that came back with her to the Alpha Quadrant. That's right. And if he was wearing red, well. He, he did actually pass the Starfleet entrance exam in yep. Voyager. And so mm-hmm. he, if he went on the command track, he would be wearing red and he had dark hair. So like people are connecting all these dots and that actor would be game for it. He even he even reprised the role of Icheb in a, uh, in a fan, a fan uh, no, YouTube series. No, he didn't, did he really? That's so cool. Um, that, that was then, that actually um, Tim Russ was in that too. No. And so was Walter <gasps> Koenig and a bunch of people, but they were actually forced to uh, file off the Star Trek uh, serial numbers of that show because Paramount's lawyers descended on them so they had to like rebrand it as like off-brand Star Trek okay. but still we know that he's you know still out there and still willing to do wow, Star Trek stuff so. so cool <clears throat> so I know oh anyway gosh. and the new Discovery trailer didn't really give us a lot to go on mm-hmm. we saw the new uh, the new character book 
yeah. who's played by is David Ayello or something like that, who we mm-hmm. know is Manchester Black from from Supergirl. Yeah, he seems like a really good fit for that show. So a lot of it was like they don't have obviously a lot of the effects work is not done yet, and only probably a few episodes are actually in the mm-hmm. can. So it's mostly just shots of of Burnham and Burnham and Book walking around mm-hmm. and the Discovery crew on the Discovery and some new mystery person that has lives in a very austere room and has a Federation flag curled up so yeah. that it can dramatically descend mm-hmm. um, for uh, for no reason. So I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> we were, we talked a lot when Discovery ended about how we hope that they don't turn the, the future of Star Trek into some bleak dystopia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we, I think we probably talked about it for about half an hour. And I think what we arrived at is we wouldn't mind if there's like, it would be okay if there's no Federation or Starfleet per se a thousand years in the future so long as things haven't completely gone to hell. Like right. if the if the galaxy kind of outgrew the Federation in a mm-hmm. way or it outlived its usefulness and now the galactic community has kind of become something else, mm-hmm. um, even if it's not perfect or even if it's like not as perfect as the Federation, if it feels like a more evolved or, or um, inevitable outgrowth of the Federation, I'd be right. okay with it. I just don't want it to be like, oh, like, oh, you 24th, 24th, 4th, or 23rd century people thought you were so quaint with your Federation these days, it's kill or be killed, you know? Like, right. I, I, you know, I don't want to see the Star Trek future become that. So right. <clears throat> I'm not really given a lot to go on here. It certainly seems like the Federation flag is an antique. And Book says to Burnham about her Starfleet insignia, oh, right. you know, that's an antique or something like that. Right, but, you're wearing ghosts. Or but it's still too early to say, yeah. you know, which way things have gone. It's not like it's, it doesn't seem like from this, the universe is in a state of perpetual war and everybody is, you know, killing each other for scraps or something. And there's fighting, but there's fighting. They literally Everywhere. just got done fighting yeah. a war where Discovery came from. So it's not like things are perfect there either. Right. Um, so we'll have to see. And it's not a lot to go on yet. Um, yeah, and then we'll talk about the the short track when we get to it. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's it for the news. What do you, what do you think of these trailers? Which, I thought oh, they I, were tremendous. I, started, I got de- I got derailed when I was talking about the uh, the implications of that one shot of seven in the Picard trailer. Of course, the big reveal that they saved for the end. Oh yes. much like they saved yes. seven for yes. the end of the last trailer was we get to see Riker and Troy again. Yeah, and they're seemingly retired. And unless they're seemingly they're just... married, and they seemingly have a kid. Well, we saw them got, get married. They got married in Nemesis. I know it's easy to forget Nemesis, but oh. it did happen. They got married in Nemesis. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I assumed that they would start a family. But the idea that, that after I was I was kidding with you before, that it's like it took them like 15 years to actually get Riker to accept a captaincy. Right. Apparently, he only kept it for like 10 years or so before retiring. So that was like a lot of waiting for nothing. Because um, it seems like he's retired when we see this, right? Yeah, but <clears throat> only 10 years. But are you are you sure that it was about 10 years, though? I mean, it could easily be more than 20 because the, the duration between the end of next gen and when Picard picks up is a good... Sp- chunk of time so it's, i don't know where you're about, getting this is 15 years from, 16 like years this is 15 15 16 years after nemesis is because it? by all indications they're doing what they used to do when all these shows are running concurrently which is that they happen more or less in real time like if it's been 10 years since we saw a character on screen it's usually been 10 years for them and uh, from all the interviews it seems like that's the same thing here picard says it's been almost 20 years since commander data sacrificed himself for me nemesis was like 16 years ago or something right so okay. i'm assuming that if riker and troy you know, maybe retired and started a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing to say they didn't start a family while they were still in Starfleet. I just can see that being kind of hard. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, if they if he served as captain for 10 years and then retired and started a family and now they've got like a five-year-old or something like that, then that would seem about, I mean, we just heard the kid's voice. We have no indication how old they are, but right. it seems like maybe six, seven, 
at the outside. So I'm just assuming. I mean, but yeah, maybe it was 15 years, not 10. But still, right. it's, yeah. it seems like they've been trying. They wanted him. They were trying to get him to be a captain for 15 years. I think they probably get a bigger. They probably hope they get a bigger return on their investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, there's a lot we don't know. If 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 things got so bad that Picard left Starfleet disillusioned, then the same thing might have happened to Riker. Although Riker seems like he landed on his feet a bit more than Picard did. We get the funny scene where Picard goes to um, Starfleet headquarters, and they literally have a, a holographic. <laughs> A holographic like museum piece of the Enterprise D floating above the reception yeah, area, yeah. and yet the kid at the desk still makes Picard spell out his name before he and before he realizes who he is. Yeah. And he's like, "It's good to see you up and about, sir." And and Patrick Stewart gives him this sort of dour, deadpan, sort of squinty. withering look. Yeah. <laughs> mm. It's so good. Yeah, oh. so it, it looks really good. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, me too. Very, very much. So what was your comic of the week? So this week, um, there were so many good comics. I really had trouble deciding. Um, so I got to give a quick honorable mention to Deceased um, because amazing with the Superman and I'm so heartbroken. Um, the Dreaming, which was so flippin' clever. How could I not mention it? It's so good. And Harleen, which was really interesting and a chilling deep dive into a nice psychosis. But Overall, I had to pick Superman Up in the Sky because it made me feel all the feels. Probably more for the um, the first part, mm. the the Flash Superman race, and when we discover who it's being narrated by, and less so the. Uh, I'm, I'm talking the about the that, end, the button. Well, yes, the, 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 the end, entire the end issue. That but that's the thing, though. The entire even issue the second was part so where, good. Where Clark Kent and Superman get separated, and they have to sort of resolve their differences and come back together. Yeah, I mean that one was. That one was a nice little psychological look as well, and it was important and nice. But you're absolutely right. Like the the real issue, the real reason why I picked it was because of the story with the Flash, the race being narrated by a kid. The voice was so well written. Um, the the idea of a kid that maybe doesn't have a full education yet and is talking about like making casual reference to rough times at home, being bounced around from foster home to foster home, and She's speaking about such sad and brutal things with a kind of a, like, this is how it is, a, a state of of speaking. And it's just, it's so true. And, and then at the end, it's the, it's a perfect reveal of her and where she is being kept and what she's surrounded by. And she's holding on to a doll and she's holding on to the faith that she has in Superman. And it's just, it, and even talking about it right now, I'm tearing up. It's so darn good. Oh, I had to pick it for my comic of the week. So what did you pick? I picked Deceased, number five. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. We get to talk about it. Yay. Well, I mean, mostly for, I mean, the whole issue was good. I, the, the, I, I love this sort of. That was another tearjerker. Post-apocalyptic, <laughs> post-apocalyptic world building, where it's like, where would the survivors go? Yeah. They, they open up Themyscira to the outside world, but yeah. <clears throat> Superman and Wonder Woman like lift up the island out of the water a little and bit Mira. to give it to give and yes, and to give it more landmass so that mm-hmm. more people can fit on it. That's a cool idea. Yeah. The the Fortress of Solitude becomes a gathering place for all the heroes. But um, Mira was important in that too because I mean it wasn't just random land it was land that had sunk from Atlantis so pre-built cities and stuff like that like places that people could actually functionally live and she was using her magic as much as the other two were using their strength so um, to leave her out of the exclusion excuse me sir don't do that yeah. <laughs> and seeing Damien in the Batman suit there's a fun little scene with 
Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Yeah, dope. The sequence <laughs> at the end where an infected Martian Manhunter attacks the heroes. Oh my gosh. And he infects Flash and then Superman has to put Flash down and then he himself gets infected. Yeah. And then the the what got me was the goodbye between, you know, the, he, he goes to Kid Flash and Kid Flash slows down time so that Superman can say goodbye to his family and first his mother and then Lois and then John and then he flies up into space hoping to get far enough away from Earth. Well, he brings his he brings his family uh, while he brings his family into the Speed Force. It's not the same thing as slowing down all of time. Well, he slows down time for them as well. Right, right, right. And he tries to get far enough away from Earth so that he might suffocate or something, yeah. and then but he doesn't quite make it. So I'm assuming the final issue now is going to be. Um, and he, Lois Lane is narrating like the final this. Threat. And yeah. that that was really another. Well, so I guess we know thing. that she herself survives, yeah. which is something. But yeah, I can also see this being the. I mean. They did, Tom Taylor also did Injustice, and then he went to do other stuff. He did some work in animation, then he came back and sort of finished up the Injustice storyline and did Injustice 2, um, and now he's doing this, but he's he, he's sort of, his niche within DC, oh, he's writing the, the new Suicide Squad series, I'm looking forward to reading that from him, they finally got him in the mainstream DC universe, um, but his so he sort of carved out a niche for himself within DC of doing like these dark um alternate versions of Superman and first Superman becomes a totalitarian in in injustice and here Superman becomes a zombie and um but I think that this has been just as successful as Injustice was. So, And they've already spun off a little bit. Like they had that special mm-hmm. a few weeks ago with Mr. Miracle and Barda and Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're doing another uh, tie-in issue or something. It wouldn't surprise me to be this kind of, see this become the kind of thing that um, like Sean Murphy's White Knight stuff sort of becomes its own hmm. branch where it gets like a, they, we could, they could do a DC's 2 or they could do spinoffs or like a bunch of other heroes or villains that we haven't seen. What what are they doing in this world? And it could sort of become its own thing because I know it's been selling very well. It's, it's sort of like, I mean, Marvel, I, you may or may not know this, but Robert Kirkman, who, um, you know, creator of Walking Dead, um, made his bones at Marvel doing a few different things, but not the least of which is Marvel Zombies, mm-hmm. which became its own cottage industry. Like they did 10 volumes of that or some ridiculous thing. of just right. like, you know, so it's actually surprising it's taken DC so long to do their own equivalent. But, you know, DC Heroes as Zombies is sort of an easy elevator pitch. And it's like, oh, you know, that sounds really cool. And, you know, zombies are maybe less big now than they were five years ago, but zombies are still, people are still interested in zombies. So right. it's been selling really well. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see them do a lot more. That's awesome. Yeah. So oh, should we move on so to your pop good. quiz? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So this week I'll be quizzing you because of the uh, the short track that we're going to be talking about later. Okay. I'm going to quiz you about awkward turbo lift moments. <laughs> oh, okay. Perhaps we'll my see most, how well I do. This is a great quiz. Can I just... My most narrowly defined quiz yet. Can I just applaud you for the choice in topic? That is so beautiful and random at the same time. It's just perfect. Uh, okay. Well done. Number one. Yeah. So in the TNG episode Disaster... Schoolboy Patterson Supra was granted what rank by Captain Picard while they are trapped in the turbo lift? He was granted number one. Was it morale officer, first officer, president of the Federation, or executive officer in charge of radishes? That's hilarious. No, he was first officer. No, it was executive officer in charge of radishes. What? Yes, it was. The oldest of them, the girl, was made first officer. Oh, right. And Patterson, because his science fair project that won him the tour around the ship with Captain oh, Picard was that he discovered radishes. some new way of growing radishes or whatever. So Picard made him executive officer in charge of radishes because he gave everyone a position <laughs> of importance right. so Everybody, they would sort of feel more confident. Uh, yeah, he distributed his pips, the pips off his collar. Yeah. I remember that part. Which actually oh, would just make the all of them an ensign one. when you think about it. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. And him as well. But it's not like the rank goes with the pips, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, number two. Yeah. In the TNG, TNG episode Phantasms, who does Data stab in the turbo lift? That counts as an awkward moment, right? <laughs> Dr. Crusher, Troy, Picard, or Riker? Um, I'm thinking, I think it was Troy that got stabbed. Yes, it was Troy. Yeah, okay. All right, number Poor three. Mm-hmm. In the TNG episode Starship Mine, what new subroutine does Data try out while in the turbo lift with Picard? Singing, small talk, smiling, or humming? Small talk. Yes, it was small talk. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Number four, last question. In Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, which ship's turbo lift is Scotty riding riding in when he utters the phrase, up your shaft? <laughs> is it the Excelsior, the Enterprise, the Enterprise A, or the Reliant? Excelsior? Yes, it was the Excelsior. Awesome. That okay. was when he had to sabotage the Excelsior so they wouldn't be able to pursue the Enterprise when Kirk stole the Enterprise to go rescue Spock <laughs> from the uh, Genesis' planet forbidden. Oh, Genesis' planet, right? That's, that's awesome. Yes. Okay, I'm remembering this now. Yeah. Awesome. So you got three out of four. I did what now? You got three out of four. You got the Excelsior, you got Small Talk, you got Troy, you just didn't get the radishes. Awesome. I did not get the radishes. You did not get the radishes. <laughs> that's a title All right. right there. All right. Yeah. Time for our shows? Ready. Okay. So we got the season premiere of Star Wars Resistance. This one's mm-hmm. called Into the Unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, that, it sort of felt a little inconsequential, frankly, to me, because they were like, okay, the, the um, what's it called? The Colossus. The Colossus is now, they're close to Dakar, but they're not really there close, yet, I yeah. guess. So this whole thing was like, okay, let's figure out where we are. Let's get the systems up and running. And um, Tora, I almost said Tam, just like Kaz did. Uh, Tora and uh, Niku and Kaz have to go down to where the turtle people live. And, Engineering, And yeah. uh, fix some of the systems. And they run afoul of a first order droid that's still there from the conflict. And they have to fight it. Meanwhile, Tam is further, comes further inculcated mm-hmm. in a first order Brainwashing um, machine, yes. So they don't have to brain. That's I don't know. This is very. Her character is very frustrating to me. They don't have to brainwash her. Mm. They just have to like offer, her. offer her the smallest carrot, and she's like, "Sure, I'll betray my friends and join your fascist organization." Yeah, I really have trouble finding having any sympathy for her whatsoever. <laughs> it's like I was thinking about this the other day. Like, to, I was just like, "Okay, am I being too hard on her?" Because she presumably doesn't know that they blew up Hosnian Prime. Yeah. Or that they've wiped out entire planets, like the planet that those two kids are from. Right, right. You know, and searching mm-hmm. for whatever kyber crystals or whatever they were searching for. They don't know about all this stuff. But at the very least, they know that she imposed martial law on her home, right? On the mm-hmm. on the Colossus yeah. when they were there. Um, they She knows that they're... That they're wearing the uniforms and carrying the weapons and adopting the tactics and and accoutrement of an evil fascist organization mm-hmm. that, true, before she was born, but still, they have history books in school, blew up planets mm-hmm. and ruled the galaxy with an iron fist and enslaved entire races for decades. Mm-hmm. And these are the people they're choosing to model themselves after. But she's like, oh, my friends were mean to me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to join your fascist organization. Like, I really have... And she's, she's a very unsympathetic character. Like, I, I feel like we're supposed to be sympathetic for her. I'm I not am sympathetic, sympathetic for her at all. I am sympathetic for her because she doesn't... She feels really like they... This is... But they were but mean to her. I know that they were mean to her, but that's enough. Like, she, she doesn't have very it's much. It's enough if you're a 
kid if you're yeah, a dumb kid but she is a dumb she's kid. like That's 18 or point. something though so she's a dumb kid 18 year olds are dumb kids you're, Sorry. You're, an, you're an adult you should make like if an adult does dumb things then they're responsible for their own actions i understand but she is an 18 year old dumb kid well like, i'm just guessing exactly i'm assuming that she's, she's a, a, i'm assuming ish, that's roughly ish. the age sure. yeah maybe even a little but that's younger exactly, but that's exactly i mean that's what it is that's the point and not only that but it actually it's a really good demonstration of how people can get radicalized because they can have a series of crappy crappy things and it's kind of like the joker mantra of like it, all it takes is one bad day but she didn't even have that bad of a day thing, it's like oh my yeah, friends know, my friends her, didn't tell me the truth it's not like her parents died or she got dropped in a vat of acid or yeah, something. Where are her parents? Let's be honest about this. Like, she's not exactly coming These people from These people are the awesome only family she has and right she knows That's that they're... That's what I'm saying. No, but her friends on the Colossus, they were her family and she knows that they're good people. It's not It's not like she just... It'd be one thing if the First Order tricked her into thinking that they were evil or mm. murderers right. or something. All it was is one of them was a spy. One, one of them didn't tell her. her the truth. Yeah. But she still knows deep down that they're good people. Right. It's it's like it's not even that big of a betrayal. I know, but to her it feels that way. And, and Yeah, I know. And that's and, what, and <laughs> she's blowing she it feels, way out of proportion. And she feels excluded because she was the only one oh, in that Oh, she feels excluded. Oh, right. I'm sorry. They didn't invite her to the cool kids table. Okay. This is the worst, this is the worst betrayal that could possibly happen. It's definitely worth betraying, yeah, betraying your friends and getting her, yeah. hundreds of people killed. And joining up with a fascist organization. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I have she zero... She has some... Let's just say she has some room for growth. The server right... Is, I mean, that's... Server right if like... she got shot down in her very first sortie in the TIE Fighters. Oh, like, oh, this is, what her, this is what my whole life has been leading to. Boom. Because those TIE Fighters get blown out of the I sky. Know, 50, really 50 to... The ratio of TIE Fighters to X-Wings is like 50 to 1. It's crazy. The server right if Poe Dameron blew her out of the sky in five seconds and didn't even know <laughs> she was in there. It's like, well, your life didn't amount to much. Wow. You should have stayed with the good guys. So I don't know. I, I I find her character very frustrating. I'm sure that I'm sure that they're building to a thing where right she sort of realizes she realizes the error of her ways and she ends up you know sabotaging the first order from within and giving Kaz and, and the crew some key moment to mm-hmm. strike and and save everybody or whatever. But I was like I don't know ultimate self sacrifice. Serve her sure. right if they didn't take her back. <laughs> like Kaz is such a I don't soft, think they will I it's think a kid's show and Kaz I, is a big softie I'm sure they'll take her back but it's sort of right is, if they didn't she had to go down I with the ship I bet you a million Deutschmarks that she's on a self-sacrificing path like she will do exactly gonna, what mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see any I don't think we're going to see any major character deaths on the show because it's it's oh, aimed so? for kids yeah. that are too young it's, this isn't even they're Rebels talking about death, though, this isn't but, Rebels I, don't know. I know but they're allowed to get away with like oh that stormtrooper probably right. didn't make it in the background but a major character that kids have grown attached to this show is aimed at like eight year olds I don't think they're going to kill off one of the main characters on the show uh, i don't think it's gonna yeah, happen maybe yeah um so star trek discovery so we got a new short track <laughs> so good completely so good. out of nowhere we found they shadow dropped it it's like yeah. oh by the way there's a new one today uh q a written by michael shaban starring ethan peck and rebecca remain yep. with a small cameo at the end by uh blanking not jeffrey hunter <laughs> um oh, anson mount anson mount yeah. that's right um didn't get a lot to do but still very charming oh, amazing um, yeah <laughs> yeah, but this whole th- so this this was a great little beat. Like uh, the more I think about, it, the more I like it because sometimes short tracks can like the one with Tilly. I guess the one that every point one points to as being kind of inconsequential. I really uh, even if that I character liked did come it. back. Yeah, I know I liked it too, but it didn't it didn't feel even if that the character the, the queen nice... character came back later. It it felt a little like slight when you're watching it. Like there's not any d- deep character exploration going on here. Yeah. This one on the other hand, although it's sort of fun and frothy, um, and has the characters like even breaking out into song, mm-hmm. um. It still, it still has depth to it because it reveals something about the characters. Like mm-hmm. Spock comes aboard, he's he's he doesn't know what to expect from the Enterprise. He's like he's a little taken aback. There's number one. You know, all we know about number one from the cage mm-hmm. was that she's 
almost Vulcan-like herself in like how scientifically minded she is and how logical she is and how like no nonsense she is. In fact, that was that those are some of the main reasons why they forced Roddenberry to get rid of the character is because they thought that particularly, and of course this was the 1960s, but particularly coming from a woman, mm-hmm. they thought that she was too cold and unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Heck, even Spock smiled more in the cage than number one did, That's right? That's true, yeah. Um, so here we feel like, so she comes, she, Spock comes aboard and like, oh, this is cool. Like they're going to, they're going to like bond over how alike they are. And mm-hmm. they have this whole thing where they're going back and he going back and forth with the questions mm-hmm. and they've got a lot in common. Like they both find the new update to like Some, Federation OS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is like lacks, lacks, lacks uh, elegance, elegance or something, yes. right? Um, <laughs> like, oh, they're really similar, right? Yeah. But there's still like, there's still this, this distance between them. Like they're still, even though they're finding common ground about their interests, they're still keeping each other at arm's length. Yeah. Um, it's not until they start really like digging down and, and number one is like, oh, you know, I get it. You've got, you, you're half human. You've got to keep your stuff on lockdown. Right. Like you can't show people who you really are. It was and Spock's cute. like, oh, and then who are you really? And yeah. she's like, and she goes for it and she sings a number from Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, and <laughs> Which then, was amazing, by the way. And well then there's done. This, there's this great moment. <laughs> well, I just watched the behind the scenes thing where she said that she's a big Gilbert and Sullivan fan. She's known that song since she was a kid. Oh my God, And when she was being really? cast, Alex Kurtzman sent her a message. She's like, oh, hey, like, do you have, have any interesting like hobbies or interests or skills that we should know about and she's like oh you know this 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 and this and one of the things in the list was oh by the way like i i, I know some gilbert and sullivan like she's performed it before and stuff and she's known it since she was a kid and this when she got the script for this she never expected they were going to actually work any of that into an episode mm-hmm. she got the script for this and she practically teared up because she's like this is like her favorite number from her favorite one and here she's getting to perform it on screen and everything um but she just go- so cool. but she the character <laughs> just goes for it and then there's this great moment after where Spock is just standing there completely stone-faced. <laughs> and, and Rebecca Romain, is, she has this great, she looks stricken almost. She's like, oh, did I go too far? Like, have I completely made a fool of myself? Will this guy ever be able to respect me again? Is he right. going to blab about this all over the crew? Because she just showed this vulnerability to him yes. that she is very out of character for her because of these, you know, right. pressure cooker circumstances of being trapped in this turbo lift for six hours or whatever <laughs> it's been, right? She wouldn't yeah. normally show the side of herself to someone. And instead, Spock sings back one of the lines and then even <laughs>, laughs afterwards and so and it's cool like they they bond and so then when he goes to the bridge and they sort of share this look and yeah. and pike is like oh you know spock do vulcans ever feel awe and he's like oh we do but we just don't tend to you we know, keep it to ourselves we keep it to ourselves and the two of them share this little look it's like they did bond but they didn't bond over how vulcan like they both are right. they bonded over something as as silly and human <laughs> as spontaneous singing right <laughs> yes and so that that's what's great about it like these characters that seem so similar on the surface they do they do have this connection but it's not what you would think you right. know yeah. it's a really cool subversion of what you would of what you would expect from it and so it's not just like i mean we i you know jokingly we had the, the turbo lift quiz but it's like oh characters trapped or it's like the sitcom thing where it's like sure. oh we're trapped I mean, in an elevator episode, or trapped yeah. in a bank vault or whatever like yep. um and the or thing, trapped in a library. <laughs> the thing is that usually the characters get in each other's nerves and then they, you know, they start screaming at each other and then ultimately by the end of the episode they find that they have more in common than they thought or they find common ground or whatever. But mm-hmm. it, it is a bit of a trope and I think obviously they leaned into it here. It's not like Michael Chabon doesn't know that that's a trope. Right. But I feel like and in, in 10 or 12 minutes or whatever it ended up being, like it, it's it's a lot to pack in there. Yeah. And it didn't it didn't feel like 
And it felt concise, too. Like, some of the other short tracks, even though they were only 10 or 12 minutes, felt like there wasn't really a lot going on. Like, you, I felt like, oh, you could probably have even shaved this down to seven or eight minutes if you really mm-hmm. had to. This one felt tight, you know? And it's yeah. it's funny because it's sort of less happens here than mm-hmm. in some of the other ones, but it still felt dense, you know what I mean? But it was dense with performance and characterization, not so much with a lot of the, plot beats. Can I know? just tell you, the editing was so good. The the lovely, oh, man. The, the cinematography was astounding, but the editing, the pacing of this, so that you really felt like that a lot was happening even though not much was happening but you were getting a lot of information and so much of that is due to how it was edited there's such a rhythm to it and such a beauty to it. it i just needed to call that out too because it's all part of the story making magic and of course it looks great i mean the cinematography um, and lighting and set design and all these and and it's great that they still have that enterprise set like people yeah. keep asking they ask them again they ask them every <laughs> day i keep asking kurtzman and Kurtzman keeps teasing the fans about a potential like Enterprise spin-off oh, of Pike, Spock, and God. Number One. I ha- I think they're going to do it. Like uh, he's being he's being so coy. Like if they were, if it wasn't going to happen, I don't think he'd be being this coy. But it's been yeah. several conventions now where the fans keep asking for it, and he's like, "Oh, is that something you guys would be interested in?" <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> feel like take that back I feel and like they got it. <laughs> they got the characters back, and Pike is in ne- is in this week's short track too. Apparently, like Ooh. they got the characters back, and th- there's going to be like one that even focuses on him. That's I think Pike is in three of these. I'm not sure oh if Spike are number God. one or more. Oh, but so I feel like they're like. <laughs> The Discovery season two, he was like an unexpected fan favorite. Mm -hmm. And I feel like these short tracks now are sort of testing the waters for like, are people interested in one where the Discovery are and seeing these characters in a setting where the Discovery characters aren't even there at all. Right. And so perhaps based on the response to these, you know, it's and it's it's hard. It would be hard to say, well, would we take 13 hours of a Pike show just because of this little short track? Like it's so different. But... I, th- I mean, they didn't strike the sets or or they were willing to rebuild the sets. Right. They've got the actors back. The actors are willing to come back. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I really think if they're, if they're trying to get Star Trek all the time. Yep. Then I, I feel like it writes itself. And then you've got you've got one set. You've got Picard set in the late 24th century and any other shows that might come out of Picard. You've got Discovery set in the... 32nd century or whatever yep. and then you've got enterprise or they obviously couldn't call it enterprise i don't know what they would call it um normally the show is just named after the ship but they did that one already um i don't know what you would call it the adventures of captain pike i know what you call it um but then they would have one still in the in the 23rd century mm-hmm. bridging the gap between discovery and the original series in sort of some interesting ways yeah i think that that i mean we've talked about this before but i, I think it just i'd like to say it writes itself obviously it doesn't but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's you've got it right there. You've got all the makings of a great show, and everybody is talking about. Like Pike was was the breakout character, and Spock too, to a certain extent. Number one, we didn't get to see as much of, but people liked her too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's if you really want to read the tea leaves, I think that it's not surprising that that of the three characters, I would say the number one got more spotlight in this one even than Spock did. And I think that might be calculated. I mean, maybe Shaban just really wanted to explore the character more than he did Spock or Pike. But I think it's like okay, people really like. Pike and Spock, but let's just make sure they also like number one, you know, if they're going right. to be the, the triumvirate of this new show. Right. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's... I know we, we know nothing about her, too. Like, what we have no idea. Like, we know what happened to Pike mm-hmm. after the cage. We know what happened to Spock. We know Spock's entire life over the course of 50 years, right? Right. Um, but we don't know what happened to number one. Like, she just... She was in the cage, and then she vanished. Right. And she's... There's been, like, books that have alluded to what happened to her but none of those are canon anyway did, did she die tragically did she go on to become an admiral did mm-hmm. she who we have who no knows? idea yeah. so that could be even like a mystery oh and and 
And they had her name in there too. Um, Una is her, is her oh, name. Oh, right. Yes, um, that's right. And it was really briefly on like a pad in the season two finale of Discovery when they were all being debriefed at the end. You could mm-hmm. see her name briefly, but there was even a joke when the person mm-hmm. was like, you know, state your name for the record. And she's right. just deadpan number one, right? Yeah. But here on the, on, when she was walking around, it was on her pad too. It's a Commander Una. And then later when they were talking about it, she's like, oh, you know, Spock was like, what, what food... Mm-hmm. algorithm do you use and she's like oh we use the the una algorithm mm-hmm. and he's like is that your name and she just blows right by it but yeah. that so it hurts canon now because it was on her little mm-hmm. screen that she That's was so looking cool. at um so i guess i mean because the, the whole thing doesn't really make much sense when you think about like does no one know her name like surely it's in her service record like you don't right, you right. don't get to join starfleet and not tell them your name right no yeah i know <laughs> it's like the simpsons thing i told you you don't get your gun till you tell me your name right yeah yeah um <laughs> So obviously it's there. It's just I guess she just tells everyone. It's not like they couldn't look it up in her file, but I guess she just tells everyone to call her number one and it gets to the point where people literally don't remember her right, real name, exactly. even though they could look it up and if all they the wanted newbies, to. Yeah, and all yeah, the newbies like, wouldn't a, do that, yeah. Well, Spock mm-hmm. doesn't know her name. He's reporting for duty on the Enterprise. Spock, of all people, you're telling me he doesn't know the name of his first officer? He does. I think he was just baiting her because he, he, he called her I out guess. on that. He seemed like he was delivering the question earnestly. It didn't seem like he was being sarcastic about it. I don't know. I could be wrong. It just, it, I, I would not believe that Spock, of all people, wouldn't know like the complete, complete service record of at know. least every I single know. bridge officer he's going to be serving <laughs> with, if not the entire crew. You know, know what I mean? I know. <laughs> Anyway, it was it was obviously really good, and then we get another one in a couple of days, which Pike is also in a little bit, but focuses mostly on new characters on a different ship and has the Tribbles in it. Oh, so that's that'll right. Be a lot that's of right. Fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Rosa Salazar, who was the star of the um, uh, Alita Battle Angel movie, oh. which was the, C- the movie with the big CG right, anime at, girl, mm-hmm. she was the lead in that. Right. So she's going to be in this, and the, another guy who's mostly a comic actor is going to be the other co-lead, and so there'll be a whole new thing. Awesome. I mean, all, all of these things could be backdoor pilots for new shows or setting up characters that are going to appear, like the like the short track with uh, Saru's homeworld. That ended up paying off later, as did the Tilly one ended up paying off later. Right. So, you know, all of these are probably being deployed very carefully to serve and we i think they even said i can never remember but i think they even said that one of these is going to be set up for picard mm-hmm. which i'm assuming would be the last one so they have the last short track be a picard prequel and then the show itself starts the week after that like get people teased not right, like people exactly. need to be teased to tune in to see a picard yeah. show but yeah um so the last show we have this week is titans mm-hmm. so this episode was called deathstroke so we wondered last week is this one gonna also be set in the past right or will it jump back and forth no this is purely set in the present Yep. Um, no, no answers really as to what happened in the fallout of Garth's death or what happened to Jericho more mm-hmm. than we knew before. Right. It's just now we're in the present. Deathstroke's hunting the Titans. The way, the only thing that I can say is that the way that the characters are talking about it, especially Donna in reference to, uh, as she's talking to Dick about it um, in one of their scenes, a couple of their scenes, actually, she says, it's from the tone of the scene, it seems like they were directly and more deliberately than I thought before responsible for Jericho's death. Um, I thought well, it was like a play that yeah, they made responsible, and it just... Re- responsible is a heavy word. But yeah, Don even says yeah. something like, you know, you want to use one of Slade Wilson's kids against him? Didn't again. we try that last time yeah, or something again, like that? Like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's obvious when Dick goes to Jericho at the end of that last episode. That he he's not actually be, there to buy a record. Right. Like he's going to try trying to use him as leverage or information or something. And it obviously right. went badly. 
Um, but I think it was like more of a bad setup where they took a risk knowing that they were endangering this kid's life yeah, even and it, more and it went badly. even more deliberately and it went south. That's yeah, what I think. Because the ti- would the Titans break up when one of the wrong gets killed? Maybe, but I could see them breaking up if one of the wrong gets killed and they get an innocent person killed. That right. would that could break up a right. bunch of you know kids, mm-hmm. right? Who, who's all been mostly fun and games up until now until suddenly there's two dead Two dead people, right? Right, and one of them is deliber- is very right, very and one much of them is this fault. sweet mute kid who yeah. never heard a fly, right? Right. Um, yeah, and so Jason's so uh, Deathstroke and Doctor Light of God. Jason um, Deathstroke kills Doctor Light and leaves him as, <laughs> as like a present, uh, as like a warning slash present slash invitation for the Titans. And he yeah. calls up Dick and tells to meet him. They're gonna he wants to trade Rose for Jason. Well, um, he doesn't call up Dick. The, you know, he calls Well, he him leaves at, the phone with right, Dr. Lee. But he knows he that knew, Dick's going to pick it up. What about the tracker scene where he jabs um, poor Robin there and uh, Jason ta- and uh Well, yeah, the tracker leads him to Dr. The, Light right. and the Dr. Light has got the phone on the yeah, corpse. Yeah, let's break the season down. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he wants to trade Rose for Jason. So mm-hmm. there's a big thing back at the tower where they're debating what to do while the kids are eavesdropping yeah and none, of course predictably rose doesn't stick around for the whole ending and doesn't see anybody well, defend she saw, her. it's not like what she saw was was um was mischaracterizing anybody hank really did want to turn rose over like he no, didn't want to do but it but she he was thought the entire room was against them and she didn't see Corey standing up for them and making a, a good argument for why they, i think she saw enough to get a pretty she's a smart she's a smart person i think she saw that some of that 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 the, a bunch of them board. were squeamish, but all of the, but none of them were like outright. No, this is definitely not happening. Thing, and yeah, maybe Corey wasn't. She didn't see that, but she could tell. She could read the mood in the room, and she she knew that there was a greater than fifty percent chance this is not going to go her way, and mm. so she wanted to get out of there. Yep. Um, but I do like that that even later, and it could read as as like you know, hypocritical or or sloppy characterization. But I do like that that. I don't know. Did he, does he have more respect for her now that she mopped the floor with him or what? But later on, Hank's like, yeah, you're right. We can't we can't do it, right? Like after her aborted escape attempt. Right. Um, and her seeming death, like Raven, yeah. you know, goes Raven all Raven her. and like breaks her, breaks her neck by flinging her into a wall. But then her body sort of knits its bones back together. Yeah. It reminded me of like, uh, like Nebula yes. in the Marvel movies, yeah. the way like there's all these really sickening cracking sounds yeah, and her yeah. body sort of recontorts back into its normal shape. I guess that's the, I've never seen it portrayed that way, but I mean, Deathstroke and so by extension Rose are supposed to have, I mean, you use the word healing factor and all everybody thinks of as Wolverine because sure. that's kind of what coined the term, but it is basically that. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. he is supposed to heal super fast. I've just never seen it be like, like that's Wolverine level. I've never, or, or like Vandal Savage level. I've never yeah. really seen it be that dramatic, but if you want to show that they, they kind of can't be killed, that they're tougher even than you thought. That's a that's a really dramatic way of showing it. Yep. Um, but yeah, and then after that, Hank is like, yeah, we can't do it, and, which I like because he's like, in the heat and of Raven the, has her in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, and he and there was a good scene too where he's he explains why he's 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 he flew off the handles because he empathizes with Jason yeah. because the idea of Jason being like bound to a chair and unable to do anything wondering if people are ever going to come save him sitting there in the dark reminds him of his own history of abuse and everything yeah. those are really good scenes um dick does a very a very like young dick thing it's not the kind of thing that i would see like nightwing doing necessarily but it's like a young dick grayson um a little bit more hot-headed a little bit less of a team player he goes off 
the reservation and goes to oh, yes. sacrifice mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. Um, but Corey kind of knows him too well and she kind of got what he was doing that he was kind of saying goodbye to her without really saying goodbye right. by complimenting her hair. Yeah. And so she tags along, <laughs> which is sort of a fun thing. And Corey is actually almost able to beat him single-handedly, which is cool, like until he kind of, he figures her out a little bit and he kind of makes a desperation play that works. But she yeah. had his number for a while. Because like, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, he it is Deathstroke and he's always super prepared. But does he know that, because... She wasn't there, like, if he was casing the tower and watching them, like, she's been off in Chicago for a while, right? So does she even know, does he even know about her or much about her? Right. Even if he does, he probably doesn't know that she's a space princess that can fire energy out of her hands. And so I think he's probably a little, he seems surprised. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I would say so. And so I, I think that, so, so at the end, he sets up the explosion and Jason falls. Dick grabs him, but he slips and he falls. I don't think they're going to kill him. It seems like they really want us to think that they are because everybody knows that Jason Todd is famous for two things. But here's the thing. One is dying and the other is coming back from yeah. the dead. I think it's too early for that. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you in a second what I think my suspicion for what's going to happen is. But you you go ahead. My suspicion is that Corey's going to fly because she in the comic books can. And not only that, but there's a little bit of a gilded, gilded lily moment earlier in the episode where she's talking to Donna about discovering her powers and sort of just kind of being a little bit I don't know they were sort of catching up is basically what was happening and um, she said she she said it as much that she's discovering new powers like that she's she's sort of growing and I think this is the one that she's going to discover next episode I just I'm not sure they're going to have her fly I feel like flying I feel like they've sort of they've kind of got I don't know like sometimes shows uh, simplify characters powers like or or the movies do like the marvel movies really simplified scarlet witch's powers for example like Mm -hmm. or if a character has like a bunch of different powers sometimes they'll just pick one and like if if the energy thing is her thing they might not also want to bring the flying thing in so here's here's my here's my speculation so the next episode is called connor Mm. and it introduces superboy Nice. Uh, my speculation is that much like the last episode, boy, it really feels like, I don't know, the pacing is kind okay, of weird because right. we keep leaving the present and going into the past. But my speculation is that much like the last episode, rewound the clock to show us the history of the original team. And then this episode brought us back to the present. The next episode is going to change tracks again oh, and follow mm-hmm. Connor from when he broke out of Cadmus, which we saw in the, the post-credits thing at the end of last season. Yep. Um and and follow his story as we as he figures out who he is and his powers. Right. And then their paths intersect. And their with paths the are going Jason. to intersect. And so what's and, and so Superboy is going to catch. Oh, that's a nice one, Jason. So we're gonna the next step is going to be his path, and then at the end of next episode or the beginning of the following episode, yeah. the stories dovetail again, and he catches him. It could just as easily be that because we know that the other Hank and Don and Donna and am I forgetting somebody? No, just the three of them, right? Um, they were there where Deathstroke was supposed to meet. Yes. And they were they didn't know they were like, oh, where's Dick? But then they heard the gunfire and stuff. And right. so they were so I guess it's possible that one of them could catch him. Well but none of them can fly. Of, that's what I was So you try to, to catch him from the ground and it doesn't work but that well. But there was so. something really important too because she was talking uh, sorry, back to Corey. She was talking I'm remembering the scene she was talking about the inhibitor bracelet. Yeah, that are it the didn't work kids. very well for her because her powers her. couldn't be contained. Exactly. But that doesn't necessarily mean she can fly. It just she means can fly. she's super good at energy bolts or that's something. That's true. She could be. Yeah. But that's my that's my speculation. Um, castle. So yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing Superboy. So we got Superboy, Crypto. Um, even I think there might be a there might be some Luther stuff in the in the next episode too, which would be a first for the show. We have obviously we haven't seen any Superman related stuff on the show at all. Um, 
yeah, so I'm looking forward to that and seeing. Yeah, me I mean, this is another character like Beast Boy, like Raven, like Starfire, yeah, um, like Hawk and Dove. A lot of characters in the show actually. Aqualad has never Raven. been portrayed in live action. You're forgetting Raven's development in this as well. Um, uh, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I'm really excited and and um, I can't wait to see what happens. But a lot of important stuff happened to Raven as well and Beast Boy for that matter. But I mean, well, a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, same stuff. But no, she's but worried Raven, her powers are going out of control. But she now they've manifested them. in a way that where she was trying to take Corey's yeah. advice and she thinks that she's like born evil. So she's in the lowest place she's been so far, like. <laughs> pretty bad so i'm i'm wondering what will happen with her character and how she'll dig herself out of that because she effectively killed somebody with her powers when she tried to take Corey's advice of finding some balance and letting loose the beast just a little bit and it didn't work at all so now she has a different struggle ahead of her because where other people can find balance with their two warring sides she can't she has to outright be suppressing and fighting her other self so that's an interesting change um and a different war for her to face than other people who you know have similar paths do so mm-hmm. um yeah it's a really good show i really 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 am enjoying it and i like the special effects and i i i still i still i know that as soon as you said it i was like oh of course that that's exactly what they're gonna do with the superboy meeting up and in their paths finally intersect with um the teen titans because they've been gilding they've been i'm sorry uh, they've been uh, um teasing uh, superboy for the longest time and it's about time for him to be introduced but i just feel in my heart i'm like i really want cory to fly i just really really want to see that happen maybe both will happen what do you think about that? What kind of scene? Mm. Where she discovers her power of flight, but she can't make it in time, and it's Superboy that catches him. Oh, what about that? I don't think they're going to that. That would be so great. Okay. All right. I'm losing my mind. All right. <laughs> so, uh, is that it? That's it. Okay. So, if you want to reach out to the show, questions, comments, suggestions, uh, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... Roof! That's crypto. Ooh, crypto. 